Section 15 of A Voyage to the Moon by Cyrano de Bergerac, translated by Archibald Lovell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 Of the Little Animals That Make Up Our Life, And Likewise Cause Our Diseases, And Of the Disposition of the Towns in the Moon. During all this discourse I made signs to my landlord that he would try if he could oblige the philosophers to fall upon some head of the science which they professed. He was too much my friend not to start an occasion upon the spot. But not to trouble the reader with the discourse and entreaties that were previous to the treaty, wherein jest and earnest were so wittily interwoven that it can hardly be imitated, I'll only tell you that the doctor who came last after many things spake as follows it remains to be proved that there are infinite worlds in an infinite world fancy to yourself then the universe as a great animal and that the stars which are worlds are in this great animal as other great animals that serve reciprocally for worlds to other peoples such as we our horses etc that we in our turns are likewise worlds to certain other animals incomparably less than ourselves such as nits lice handworms etc and that these are an earth to others more imperceptible ones in the same manner as every one of us appears to be a great world to these little people perhaps our flesh blood and spirits are nothing else but a contexture of little animals that correspond lend us motion from theirs and blindly suffer themselves to be guided by our will which is their coachman or otherwise conduct us and all conspiring together produce that action which we call life for tell me pray is it a hard thing to be believed that a louse takes your body for a world and that when any one of them travels from one of your ears to the other his companions say that he hath travelled the earth from end to end or that he hath run from one pole to the other yes without doubt those little people take your hair for the forests of their country the pores full of liquor for fountains buboes and pimples for lakes and ponds boils for seas and defluxions for deluges and when you comb yourself forwards and backwards they take that agitation for the flowing and ebbing of the ocean doth not itching make good what i say what is the little worm that causes it but one of these little animals which hath broken off from civil society that it may set up for a tyrant in its country if you ask me why are they bigger than other imperceptible creatures i ask you why are elephants bigger than we and the irishmen than spaniards as to the blisters and scurf which you know not the cause of they must either happen by the corruption of their enemies which these little blades have killed or which the plague has caused by the scarcity of food for which the seditious worried one another and left mountains of dead carcasses rotting in the field or because the tyrant having driven away on all hands his companions who by their bodies stopped up the pores of ours hath made way out for the waterish matter which being extravasted out of the sphere of the circulation of our blood is corrupted it may be asked perhaps why a knit or handworm produces so many disorders but that's easily conceived for as one revolt begets another so these little people egged on by the bad example of their seditious companions aspire severally to sovereign command 
and occasion everywhere war slaughter and famine but you'll say some are far less subject to itching than others and nevertheless all are equally inhabited by these little animals since you say they are the cause of our life that's true for we observe that phlegmatic people are not so much given to scratching as the choleric because the people sympathizing with the climate they inhabit are slower in a cold body than those others that are heated by the temper of their region who frisk and stir and cannot rest in a place thus a choleric man is more delicate than a phlegmatic because being animated in many more parts and the soul being the action of these little beasts he is capable of feeling in all places where these cattle stir whereas the phlegmatic man wanting sufficient heat to put that stirring mobile in action is sensible but in a few places to prove more plainly that universal vermicularity you need but consider when you are wounded how the blood runs to the sore your doctors say that it is guided by provident nature who would succour the parts debilitated which might make us conclude that besides the soul and mind there were a third intellectual substance that had distinct organs and functions and therefore it seems to me far more rational to say that these little animals finding themselves attacked send to demand assistance from their neighbours and thus recruits flocking in from all parts and the country being too little to contain so many they either die of hunger or we stifled in the press that mortality happens when the boil is ripe for as an argument that these animals at that time are stifled the flesh becomes insensible now if bloodletting which is many times ordered to divert the fluxion do any good it is because being much lost by the orifice which these little animals laboured to stop they refuse their allies assistance having no more forces than is enough to defend themselves at home thus he concluded and when the second philosopher perceived by all our looks that we longed to hear him speak in his turn men said he seeing you are curious to instruct this little animal our like in somewhat of the science which we profess i am now dictating a treatise which i wish he might see because of the light it gives to the understanding of our natural philosophy it is an explication of the original of the world but seeing i am in haste to set my bellows at work for to-morrow without delay the town departs i hope you'll excuse my want of time and i promise to satisfy you as soon as the town is arrived at the place whither it is to go at these words the landlord's son called his father to know what it was o'clock who having answered him that it was past eight he asked him in a great rage why he did not give him notice at seven according as he had commanded him that he knew well enough the houses were to be gone to-morrow and that the city walls were already upon their journey son replied the good man since you sat down to table there is an order published that no house shall budge before next day that's all one answered the young man you ought blindly to obey not to examine my orders and only remember what i commanded you quick go fetch me your effigies so soon as it was brought he took hold on by the arm and whipped it a whole quarter of an hour away you ne'er be good continued he as a punishment for your disobedience it's my will and pleasure that this day you serve for a laughing-stock to all people and therefore i command you not to walk but upon two legs till night the poor man went out in a very mournful condition and the young man excused to us his passion i had much ado though i bit my lip 
to forbear laughing at so pleasant a punishment and therefore to take me off of this odd piece of pedantic discipline which without doubt would have made me burst out at last i prayed my philosopher to tell me what he meant by that journey of the town he talked of and if the houses and walls travelled dear stranger answered he we have some ambulatory towns and some sedentary the ambulatory as for instance this wherein now we are are built in this manner the architector as you see builds every palace of a very light sort of timber supported by four wheels underneath in the thickness of one of the walls he places ten large pair of bellows whose snouts pass in a horizontal line through the upper story from one pinnacle to the other so that when towns are to be removed from one place to another for according to the seasons they change the air every one spreads a great many sails upon one side of the house before the noses of the bellows then having wound up a spring to make them play in less than eight days time their houses by the continual puffs which these windy monsters blow are driven if one pleases an hundred leagues and more for those which we call sedentary they are almost like to your towers save that they are of timber and that they have a great and strong screw or vice in the middle reaching from the top to the bottom whereby they may be hoisted up or let down as people please now the ground underneath is dug as deep as the house is high and it is so ordered that so soon as the frosts begin to chill the air they may sink their houses down underground where they keep themselves secure from the severity of the weather but as soon as the gentle breathings of the spring begin to soften and qualify the air they raise them above ground again by means of the great screw i told you of End of chapter thirteen